Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of Ignorant Bliss during the COVID era of the world. Um, this is another episode with my um homeboy, uh, film critic colleague Dominic Griffin, aka the Armchair Artur. And um, it's it's basically us talking about or basically reexamining uh, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, it's a film that uh, is pretty much derided, but I personally always thought it was like an average movie. And if you if you really pay attention to the way people talk about it, they talk about it like it was one of the worst movies of all time. And it's actually a quite standard action movie. It actually has some things that going on in it that is quite unique. Even though they might not be successful um, in terms of how it handles the material, um, there's, there's arterial vision. So um, me and Dominic... We were t- we were talking about it online uh, back when it was like the fourth anniversary of it of his release, and I just thought we should we should chop it up. I think around the same time, no, I think Zack Snyder did this like live tweetathon or live watch stream with the movie, watch him talk about the movie while you like watch it with him or whatever. It was interesting, but yeah, it, it's basically a talk about that movie, some of the state of superhero movies currently, uh, in regards to that. What was some of the backlash with it? Um, yeah, man, just a, a, a interesting or a fun conversation to have with one of the homies about movies. Um, you should f- uh, look for Dominic All New Dom on Twitter. I think All New Dom also on Instagram. Armchair Tour on YouTube. Watch his videos. Like, share, subscribe, all that. Hit that, hit that bell or whatever. You know, all that type of stuff. You know, um... As you know, if you're listening to this, if you want to share this, please do. Um, it's on all the, the main podcast things out there. There's kind of more out there. I can't. I don't know if I'm on them all. Um, you can follow me as Julian Lytle on everything. L-Y-T-L-E is the Patreon.com slash Julian Lytle. The Twitter for this is IGBL Podcast. Um ignorantblisspodcast at gmail.com for email if you want to send some messages or whatever um yeah i hope you enjoy uh if you disagree hit hit <laughs> hit me up on, on the stuff we're talking about this movie this is a, is a derisive divisive movie um i'm still not a fan of Zack snyder or his take on superman but you know it's a lot of a lot of hate with this movie so hey uh i want to hear some thoughts and enjoy and talk to y'all later. Peace. It's not a test. Check. Easy does it. Just turn my headphones a little bit. Easy does yeah. it. Hey. Hello, friends. Cutter again. Gotta smack them with some shit before the world ends. Same old denims. I've been home making dams in many wonderful ways I see many wondrous shades Peeking at the saddles of the new landscape I've been trapped in my mind, I've been trying to escape Fame and loneliness, the recipe for disaster I can't handle this shit, I'll make it faster I just wanna go fast, I'm a
going, man? You can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Oh, cool. The armchair auteur. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Man, back on your back on your uh, on your grizzine. Yeah, yeah right. It turns out. Virus. I would say it turns out the only thing holding me back from making regular content every week is just uh, the entire world plunging into absolute chaos. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It is. It is a. Uh, I should ask, how are you holding up? You know, how you doing? Uh, I'm holding up all right, man. I mean, like, uh, a lot of people are in obviously considerably worse positions. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sick. Uh, I do love the daily occurrence that I'm pretty sure everyone else is experiencing where uh, you have, like, a light cough or, like, you sneeze or something. You know, just something completely normal. And you're like, here it is. It's, 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 it's here. <laughs> I, 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 I got the Rana. <laughs> um, other than that, though, like, other than that, like, twice you know every other two days moment of like is this it is this how i'm gonna die like uh oh, i'm doing good you know i mean it's it's like i feel like if you're kind of like a like a like a nerd or like someone who consumes a lot of content the situation is probably slightly easier to mitigate because like you know for like i think people like us especially like people who like watch a lot of movies and some music and stuff like that like you always have this feeling of like man i wish i had like a whole week where all I did was like sort of watch all this stuff on my queue and catch up on things. Uh, you don't want to get like laid off to get to do it. Mm-hmm. But once it happens, you're like, oh, well, fuck it. I guess I can watch, you know, I haven't gotten too deep in it yet. I haven't like started binging any crazy shows or nothing. But like, if this keeps up for much longer, I can see myself being like, oh, look, I watched all of Third Rock from the Sun. I never did that before. Like, that's what I'm doing now. Damn. <laughs> Damn, I think I saw most of that show though. The old days, we just watched TV before there was before there was streaming. Long rerun blocks. Yeah, the normal days. <laughs> you know, the good old days when TBS would play something for four hours. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's good to hear that you're you're doing okay for the most part. Hey, what about you, man? Bro, nothing changed for me. I go to work every day. Oh, okay, true. Yeah. <laughs> Like no, it's just it just is. There's no one there, and yeah, man, it gets pretty tiring. Like today, I think if people were around, I would have throw something at them because they're being obnoxious. The fact is, like, there's no one here. It's just me. Like you guys got to chill on the speed of what you need things. I'm one person. It, <laughs> it's amazing that like in this crisis, people are still like like dicks. I mean, I guess I'm not. Yeah. I didn't expect people to suddenly become good people, but when you encounter it, you're like, yo, man, people are, like, dying. Can you, like, chill? Can you just, like, just pretend to be nice for, like, five minutes? Yeah, man. I'm like, I don't, like, yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I don't, I I don't get to sit down and watch Tiger King like everybody else. I don't want to watch Tiger King. (laughs) Yeah, no, consider yourself lucky. Yeah, man, I watched your video, but I, I hit you up because I watched the last video, which was about Matt Reeves' Batman, to a degree, because you were talking about like his uh, body of work and uh, Planet of the uh, his Apes movies, mm-hmm. which I completely utterly enjoy. But in on the uh, the video, you talked about uh, the last take of Batman we had cinematically 
which is Zack Snyder's take, which we saw basically in one and a half movie, which is Batman versus Superman and Justice League. And mm-hmm. you brought up the fact that you don't hate Batman versus Superman. No, I, I do interesting. not. And I also found it interesting because I never hated Batman versus Superman. I actually thought it was an average action movie. To me, it was like a solid seven. But everybody talks about it like it was the worst movie ever. And I was like, I don't know what y'all was watching because all the Batman parts are awesome. To yeah, me. they're great. Like, <laughs> it's like Batman you know, if is I, me. If I'm not mistaken, I think that like we were actually at the screening together Probably. when it first. Yeah, because I remember when it first opened, like I brought a friend of mine to come see it. And you, we talked a little bit before the movie or whatever. And um, I remember at the time, like, that it came out, I was not a big fan of Man of Steel. I saw Man of Steel pretty late. Uh, I would say, like, like a few months after it had already been in release, like, right before it left theaters. And it just wasn't for me. Like, I liked, I don't know, the first trailer to Man of Steel. I thought it was, like, cool looking. And I was sort of into parts of the movie. And in the years since it's come out, I've seen, like, different like think pieces and articles about it where writers have nearly convinced me I liked it, but on a gut level, I still just don't really enjoy Man of Steel that much. However, with BVS DOJ, the theatrical version, <laughs> uh, I, I went to that movie kind of expecting like nothing. I think, I think having low expectations may have helped a little bit, but I thought it was a blast. I thought it was a really fun movie. I thought it was interesting and like cool. And more than anything else, I just thought, man, it's just so weird. It's just such a strange, ambitious movie compared to the Marvel movies I'd been seeing around the same time. Mm. You know, that's the big thing is like when people compare the DC movies to the Marvel movies, like they always compare like the absolute worst moments of the DC movies to like the absolute best parts of the Marvel movies. And I would say those conversations are boring, you know, like, yes, if you've had like 20 movies to set up like these really big, crazy fan service moments. Yeah, they're great moments. You know what I mean? Like, of course, I get it. Um, And to compare those like heights to any sort of like misstep the DC movies have made is like really unfair. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you pick just any random Marvel movie and compare it to BVS, I feel like you can't look at any Marvel movie and look at this film and say that like one of these is unassailably great. And the other one's like a mistake because for one thing, uh, Batman versus Superman, Donna justice has like, uh, like, you know, like vision. Like it's, it's very, maybe you don't agree with everything Zack Snyder did creatively, but that's like a director going, this is a world I want to show you. Here's like these visuals I've created. Here's these ideas I've translated from the source material. And, you know, a lot of Marvel movies, even the really good ones, look kind of like, you know, fucking like commercials at this point. You know what I mean? Like they don't they, there's just not that same sense of like. There are a few moments in Batman versus Superman where I, you have like a sense of awe, like you look at some of the images that Snyder creates and you're like, man, that's fucking incredible. You know, like little moments almost feel like an Alex Ross painting that's like happening in front of you, like it's really happening. And yeah, there's no house style. Yeah, it's like this is it's like this is this guy's take. It's not like we all agreed that Superman should do this and only say these things and only wink and whatever. 
And also, I mean, the thing I guess you and I probably bond over about the movie is that it doesn't even feel, I mean, it feels like a Batman movie. And to me, it, it's it's not just that it feels like a Batman movie because Batman is actually like the main character in the theatrical version, mm-hmm. but it's also, it feels like a Batman movie and Zack Snyder's version of Superman seems like Superman from Batman's perspective. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So like, if you're watching the movie, like in Man of Steel, he's the main character and him being so kind of bland and like unlikable is kind of depressing. But when you're watching BBS and everything you're watching is sort of from Bruce Wayne's perspective and it's like a 40 year old Bruce Wayne who's like a drunk and who like straight up kills people at this point because he's just so far gone from his original mission. If you look through that guy's eyes at an alien God destroying buildings, then it all makes sense, you know? So that's one of the things I love about it, man. It's just so like, it's just a cool take on Batman that like everyone I feel like has always done. People are always either obsessed with like year one Batman or Dark Knight Returns Batman. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like the Frank Miller problem, right? Like those yes. are his two biggest bat works. So it's like, I like Batman when he's just starting out or I like it when he's about to die. And there's so many more interesting areas in between to explore. And I can't even think of another comic book that follows Batman that explores this idea of Batman, like this era. Cause he's always really young or really old or like in his prime. He's never past his prime, but not an invalid, you know? And I think this is a really cool uh, area to explore and it does it so well. I think the closest, I think what I got from this was that, uh, this was one of the few times we got to see the version of, Bruce that you see right before Tim Drake is Robin. Like if you read Batman in that period where like Jason Todd died and Bruce kind of lost his way, he was like really beating the brakes off of people where like Alfred and Dick were like, yo, what are you doing? Like you're going a little bit too far. And for me being that I really, 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 really hated Man of Steel. Like, Mm. It's one of my most iconic uh, screening moments where I yelled, fuck this movie. He broke <laughs> Zod's we, neck. He broke Zod's neck. I was like, nah, man, it completely misses the point. By that point, I was I was, I was, was tired. I was sick. Like, yo, he let his dad die. Like, all this type of stuff. Like, ugh. Like, he killed babies. And I don't care what nobody say. He freaking heat vision embryos. That was terrible. Like, and then the cap off, he just breaks his neck. He could, like, he could do so many things. So I'm sitting in Batman versus Superman, and the movie start out in the scene where I'm like, where I was making complaints, like Superman is like not even trying not to fly into the buildings, and the movie starts with Bruce Wayne basically being as tight as I am, like what is going, <laughs> like he's the trashiest superhero we got, like what are you doing? And it's like, yo, man, when the dude in the Wayne building just like take the L, it's like yo, I'm gonna stay in the building. And, like, all them folks died. I was like, yo, how can you not empathize with Bruce Wayne, man? Like, Superman's incompetence caused him hundreds of employees that, like, he treat as his family. Like, the city is destroyed. Like, I, it's all Team Batman in this movie. Like, it was just, I, I, I don't even know what people want. Like, the movie gets to a point where they recreate an entire scene from the Arkham games but with real people. And everyone loved those games. And I actually didn't like them. But I'm like, 
yo, Batman's in a suit and he's like beating people up and he's shooting the, like the rope and he's doing all the things in the comic book. But how is this? Like, how is this trash? Like, like it looks good. Like, I don't like Doomsday, but the pathos yeah, of Bruce Wayne. And I, and yeah, like, I don't, I like Ben Affleck. Like, yo, he looks, he looks like Bruce Wayne. Like, I don't, like, he's a handsome dude. He's I think in tall. some ways, in some ways, I think people really like work themselves like into a shoot with the Ben Affleck Batman thing. Whereas like the minute it got announced, people were already so mad about Man of Steel. And now it's like, oh, and you're going to have Batman in the next movie. And it's going to be Ben Affleck. Like it was just so much. I remember when it was announced, I remember thinking like, uh, I don't know if I would have done that, but okay. And then the more I thought about it, like I, I, I distinctly remember the day I first saw like the first image of him in the suit. When you realize he was playing like thick boy Batman, when mm-hmm. he was just like big and like, the, and I was like, oh okay, well, all right, this is not what I was expecting. Okay, <laughs> you know, okay, all right, I gotta, I gotta reevaluate. And then by the time I got to the movie, I think what's funny is like Affleck as an actor, I think has always been very talented, but not like the most respected, not necessarily the greatest. But if you watch like Gone Girl onward mm. Affleck has gotten like so much better I think just like working with David Fincher just made him a better actor yeah and he's bringing I, I feel like his performance in BVS is like one of his best performances in his like career you know and he's doing acting in that movie that like Robert Downey Jr. has not done in any of his fucking turns as Iron Man you know like so many people wanted so many different MCU actors to like be up for awards for how good they are in the movies. And it really, you know, realistically, most of those movies, they're just like doing bits, you know, like almost every one of those. It's like at some point, those guys got like a caricature character to play and they just like quip. And then if it's a serious moment, they kind of don't quip. And then it's like, oh, shit, it's so dramatic. You know, <laughs> the bar is so low. Right. Like, oh, my God, he didn't make a fucking joke. It's crazy. I'm going to cry, you know, and I'm like. You know, like you know, what I mean, like like Tony Stark is such a really interesting character, and outside of like the first Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't do shit with that character, and like parts of Iron Man three, I'm, I'm gonna give him that. In every one movie he shows up, and he's just like riffing, you know. And here, Ben Affleck has to like reintroduce Batman after like what many people consider to be like a definitive take, like the Christian Bale version, mm-hmm. and he has to do it in a movie that's not even Batman's movie for real. And he has to do it without the origin stuff. He's just a fully formed guy. You just meet, this is Batman. He's in his 40s. He has no friends. Him and Alfred are like the only two fucking people that talk to each other. They clearly drink all day. And at this point, he is comfortable just straight up murdering people. Like, think about how far Batman has strayed from his mission to where he is this this isn't like in the tim burton batman where he has like guns on the batmobile and that's just sort of like an oversight like tim burton Mm -hmm. was not thinking about you know what that means at the time Zack snyder and everyone involved very clearly was like no this is a batman who kills people he just doesn't give a shit anymore man and that's fascinating and it's compelling and ben affleck makes it like even like okay like, like i'll give you an example right the scene in bbs when he uh goes to like steal shit from lex luther like the big gala where he meets clark for the first time yeah. that scene has ben affleck playing batman doing the bruce wayne bit and it's very clear that he hasn't had to do it in a long time mm-hmm. and he's not good at it anymore like 
to the point that he's not even trying. And I thought that was such an interesting thing to have, like Ben Affleck be able to pull off. Like you, it says so much in such a little scene. You know, it, it's like everyone knows that oh, Batman when he's Bruce Wayne, he's like pretending to be a well-adjusted person. And here you're watching Ben Affleck just kind of like attempt to flirt and attempt to be charming. But it's like such a half attempt because ultimately he can't wait to get back to his cave and figure out how he's going to kill Superman. Like that's literally where he's at. And Affleck just knocks it out of the park. It's just such a it's such a fascinating thing to me. Uh, And people, I guess, were just like, I don't like Ben Affleck or like, oh, the suit you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do, like all the I've never seen like a genuine criticism of his performance as Batman. You know what I mean? I always see stuff where I'm like, I mean, maybe you got used to the Christian Bale Batman who like growls all the time and like yells and shit and like is barely a figure in his own goddamn movies, but like the Ben Affleck Batman to me was like Batman. Like this dude's going to beat the shit out of some people. He's fucked up. He's made some bad decisions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he you know, Robin, like there's a whole a whole bunch of stuff going on. Like he's like not he's not OK. And also, I think what's interesting is like uh, one of the things I don't like about Man of Steel is that they thought it was going to be cool to have Superman kill someone so that he would then evolve into the Superman that never kills. Right. And he would like become the Superman we know and love. But this movie doesn't have any room for that journey at all. And that's something that we basically don't get because in Justice League, he just comes back to life mm-hmm. and then Joss Whedon starts writing him differently and we just have to accept that he's been on a journey. Yeah. Here, though, we actually do see Bruce... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a moment that people make fun of the most, but he actually does change. And it's a believable moment. I know people make fun of the Martha moment, like when they have the big Frank Miller fight. I never, he, I never got that, bro. I never got what why people was bothered by it. Like, yeah, their moms are the same name. He doesn't even know Superman has a mom, bro. That's the point, yeah. I think people always look at that moment and go, oh, their mom has the same name, so they're not going to fight. It's like, that's not the point, man. This entire movie, he has looked at Superman as being like an alien god who doesn't who, who can destroy the whole world, and like we're all fucked. He never once thought, oh... He was, like, raised here. He's a person. He's a human. He has a fucking mom. I, have a, I don't have a fucking mom anymore, you know? But this guy's got a mom. And he's worried about her. You know? And, like, that's a really important moment. It just reminds him, man, I've really lost the plot. Man, I've killed, like, 40 people in this movie alone. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, he was, like, brought out, like, it's, co- like, 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 I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, first of all, how many times have you seen people just connect over like having the same name? I've seen that in my life. Of course. Like, yeah. oh yo, yo, you Mike too? Oh man, I'm Mike, what's going on, man? Like I've seen that in real life. And you, like when people have family members the same like that happens in real life. Like it's re- it's actually a real connection that happens in reality outside of the crazy costumes and flying and capes and things. So when I saw it in the movie, like that relatability is like, yo, your mom is named Martha? Like for like for like yeah, that sorry, that's gonna stop him in his tracks. It's like, yo, my mom is named Martha. She did like all the things you just said, I'm like, yo, that was the most human part of the goddamn movie. It's like the and it's not just <laughs> it's not just that, it's the, it's the it's the fact that like the whole Batman ethos is what? 
when I was eight, someone murked my parents in front of me and it fucked me up and I'm rich and I'm going to spend every dime I have making sure no one's mom ever dies. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like straight up, like on, on a very base level, Batman's entire thing is like, no more moms are ever going to die on my watch, right? And at that moment in the movie that he's trying to like kill this dude with a fucking spear, he realizes, oh wait, he has a mom and his mom is in danger. His mom is one of the moms I pledged to keep alive forever when I was eight. Yeah. And he immediately has this hard reset of like, all right, I got to go. Look, you go fight whatever that is. I'm going to go save your mom. And that's such a like, that's like the realest Batman moment ever. Like Batman <laughs> dropping everything to go save a mom, someone's yeah. stand-in mother. And then like, what's crazy too is it's not, and again, it's not even like, that's a big moment for him, but he doesn't immediately then become like the charming Justice League version of Batman that like is fun and like likes people and stuff. It's not like a fake turn. At that moment, he he realizes Superman's the real hero, like the right hero for this world. Not me, not someone who kills people, not someone who's like this fucked up. This is the hero the world needs. And then that hero sacrifices himself to save the world. And now he's like, fuck, it's just me and Wonder Woman. She doesn't even want to hang out. You yeah, know, like, like <laughs> I didn't even know she was here the whole time. Like that that's an interesting dynamic too, because it really shifts the entire idea of the Trinity, right? Yeah. The cl- the most the most classic version that Superman's first, then there's Batman. Then Wonder Woman comes to man's world. And then we get this whole thing where it's like, possibly, like, all right, the first superhero is really Wonder Woman, but she disappeared. Mm-hmm. Then Bruce is kind of like, because when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, hold up, there's like a whole DC universe in this movie. Like, way before Superman appeared, when Batman was like young, and in my head, I'm like, okay, that could be, that means it could be a Green Arrow. Clearly, mm-hmm. it was a Robin. It was probably another Robin before that one. All this, like the Joker existed, like even before we even get to like Suicide Squad and everything else. It's like, so all right, this is like OG Batman, and like now, like Superman's a rookie, and it, it gave me almost like Kung Fu movie vibes, like the Master that he has a change of heart. It's like, oh man, he's yeah, a hero yeah. now. Like, like yo, you messing up? I gotta show you. You ain't gonna listen. And then they, they they become friends at the end, but yeah, it's like, but then Superman dies. It's like yo, I'm so, it's like I'm supposed to be the dead one. I'm the old hero. Why am I walking around? I'm supposed yeah, to die so from a monster. Now he's got survivor's guilt. And like, if if you look at it as you know, I know uh, Zack Snyder just did his like big like live commentary in the movie the other day or whatever, and like. Yeah. Uh, you know, he talked about how it's supposed to be like a five movie arc and all this different stuff. And like, when you look at it, I mean, we never got these other movies, right? But when you look at it from that perspective that this they were building something a little bit longer term, it's kind of cool that they don't do the easy arc. It's not like Superman killed someone and then now he's just like, oh, killing is bad. I'm a good guy now. I'm like the nicest good guy ever. And it's not like Batman has that turn at the end and then just becomes like a sweet, better version of Batman. Like, it's at the end of BBS, if they had found a different way to beat Doomsday, they probably would come become buddies and like help each other become better heroes. And you could have a whole fun world's finest movie where they like beat up, you know, Toy Man or something, right? But then Superman dies. So it's like every time like a moment happens that should propel the narrative forward and have good things happen and have it go back to being like, you know, a regular superhero thing we expect, 
something fucked up happens and then like it takes even longer like it's it's i appreciate that approach to the the material where it's like no no it's not gonna be that easy you know so then you get the justice league thing where batman is still you has survivor's guilt and figures out he can bring superman back and then once superman comes back he's just ready to die like not even like he wants to die because he's depressed or he's tired of being batman but just sort of like Look, you got Wonder Woman, you got Superman, the kid that runs fast, you know, water guy. I'm good. Like, they don't really need me anymore. All I do is, like, blow shit up and, like, kill people. I'm going to go out a blaze of glory. This is my, like, arc, you know? And then the mm-hmm. team saves him and stops him from doing that. And, like, that's exciting. You know what I mean? Even, like, even like I'm not going to defend Justice League as much because that movie is way more of a mess. But... Th- this movie and that movie together, Affleck's run as Batman, is a more interesting arc to me than any other. Because like the only other long form Batman arc we have in movies is the Nolan trilogy, and like you get to see Batman become Batman. You get to see him in the Dark Knight deal with like what escalation, right? The idea that he's wearing a costume now, the villains are going to become more complicated. And then in Dark Knight Rises, it just becomes him ending being Batman so he can have a happy life. It's like a very rare arc that no one explores in batman because you always have to tell more batman stories but like it's not satisfying if you're a batman fan like no one really wants to watch the like three movie batman arc that ends with him living in a cafe or whatever and shit like you know what i mean like you want like batman doing batman shit and to me that's what affleck is that's like the purest distillation of that we've ever gotten maybe i almost think that like and i'm not even the biggest Zack snyder fan but like hearing like he had a five a five movie plan, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as I read this, as much as I don't agree with what he was planning to do with Dark Side, I have to say that this build up, what I'm guessing, which is for like you know Justice League, because originally Justice League supposed to be two movies. Yeah, I remember so, that correct. It's gonna be like two. That's two whole chapters. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, and then like the what the. Back to BVS, but what really set me off, what I really liked, was the nightmare scene. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Batman in his dream, and he's fighting his parademons. There's, like, bad guys. He got this desert gear on. He's shooting things and doing all this type of stuff. He gets gets captured. Superman is full-on son of dark side Superman. I didn't need nobody to tell me that. I know what was going on. And then he sees the Flash talking to him through the thing, and I'm like, "Are they pulling? They pulled the, the crisis where Barry Allen goes talks to Batman." Like I'm like, I'm already peaked, right? Like I'm already like, even if I don't, because I've read how many, I've, you know how many comics I read where it's like I may not totally like them, but if I see where you're going, I gotta finish. Mm-hmm, yep. And it's like, like I'm not the biggest. Like I need the Snyder cut. But, like, now I kind of want to see this shit. Like, now I kind of want to see, like, see, like, what his idea where to go next. Like, what do you mean have five? With this whole thing with the Flash going back in time was going to play more into it? Like, like you yeah, mean think- you had a plan and you got <laughs> rid of it because of the fans? Like, like it sounds like, I think what happened... And I, I mean, obviously, it's like pretty complicated. But I think that the, the thrust of what happened is like that he they did Man of Steel. That was kind of like a one-off. And then when they were trying to figure out how to keep the universe going, they came up with the plan of like 
We introduce Batman. The movie introduces Wonder Woman. Superman dies. We have a two-part Justice League movie where Superman comes back to life, but Lois dies, and then that's how Darkseid is able to control Superman. And then we get this like terrible future where Darkseid runs Earth with Superman as his right-hand man, and the Justice League has to use time travel to undo it. And it would involve... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Barry going back in time and, like, fixing this thing from happening. And then that would... Basically, it seemed like he was trying to make the world as dark as humanly possible, leading into Darkseid, to do a Darkseid movie, and then have them undo the thing that brought it about. And then that would start, like, the bloom of a new, uh, like, more upbeat, more bright hero world, right? And in theory, at that point, he probably would then pass the movies on to, like, someone else who's not so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they were doing... After BBS got such, like, so savaged by the critics and, like, kind of underperformed financially, they were like, okay, well, we need to figure out how to make these slightly more, like, Marvel movies so that we don't fail. And it's like, well, we'll bring Joss Whedon in to help do rewrites on the script, which is fine. Like, that's actually not a bad idea, and there are certain little little tweaks Joss brought to Justice League as a writer that are good for these movies. But then Zack Snyder's daughter died. You know, she 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 killed herself, and he couldn't yeah. continue directing the movie. And then, right at the point where they should have been doing minor reshoots, it was like Joss has to finish this movie now. So now Joss is just just a considerably less gifted director, <laughs> and just in terms of vision and like visuals and staging and things, I feel like directs the movie. And now, when you watch Justice League, parts of the movie are clearly a Zack Snyder joint, and then parts of the movie are clearly thrown together at the last minute to re- reach a deadline. Yeah. And you can blatantly tell which is which. It's not even like a like a, you know, a competition or whatever. And like in Justice League to me there's a moment like kind of how we were talking about the nightmare scene in BVS when uh the Amazons or whatever are telling the story of the mother boxes in Justice League and they actually show the whole like thing where the Amazons and like the Atlanteans and all the humans got together. Yeah. And you see a green lantern at the like that whole sequence I was like, man, you know, this actually is kind of why I like Zack Snyder doing DC, even though I don't, you know, like all of his ideas necessarily, is it captured to me like the grandeur of, of the DC universe. Like the Marvel universe, even though it gets epic and there's like cosmic stuff, you know, and, and whatnot, at its core, Marvel always feels more insular. Everyone lives in New York. Everyone lives like a few blocks from each other or whatever, and it's a, it's a smaller world. DC always felt so much bigger and more complex and had more shit in it. And Snyder, in the Nightmare sequence and in, 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 in this sequence in Justice League, I feel like really captured that feeling. He just needed someone on the writing side with him who could, like, make the characters a little more likable, a little bit more like, you know, what, what we know as those characters to be and stuff. It's just unfortunate that then the guy who should have only been there doing little punch-up work yeah, is the one doing the whole fucking thing. And you're like, ah, oh, we didn't need this much Joss Whedon. We need like a pinch. <laughs> we need a little bit of Joss Whedon in the recipe. You'll knock the whole fucking bowl over. No wonder it didn't work, you know? And like, we got Joss. I mean, <laughs> we got and Joss. like now that movie failed and no one, most people don't blame Joss for it. They blame Zack Snyder. Like, oh, Joss tried to save it but couldn't. And that's probably why Zack Snyder is so serious about the Snyder cut. It's just imagine you going through this horrible tragedy and then you kind of start to recover. And the last thing you put years of your life into comes out and it sucks. And everyone's blaming you, even though you weren't the one that finished it. Every day you got to log on the internet and someone's talking about, like, yeah, that movie sucked. And Zack Snyder's an idiot and stuff. And you got to be like, nah, man, you don't, let me show you my storyboards. Like, <laughs> that dude just logs on and goes and pulls up his whole hard drive. Like, no, here's 
Marshman Hurst is going to be in it. I was going to do this and that and this. And people are like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. Let's see it. And he's like, well, I can't because the studio won't let me. Yeah. Um, like hearing about like uh, Lennox being like, he was going to reveal him as Marshman. I'm like, well, shit, I love that guy. Like, I love that actor. I would have loved to see him yeah. be John. Like, he was so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he was the soldier guy? Like, oh, okay. So he was keeping, like, I can, I can almost figure the story out, right? I can mm-hmm. figure it out. And, like, I'm a person where I didn't like Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I thought it missed the point. Like, and again, I really did dislike Man of Steel. It looked good, though. The man knows how to shoot a film. He's always knows how to shoot a film. But it, it gets to a point where it's like, I didn't even hate Justice League because I'm biased ahead of Boom Tube in it. And I was like, if, if I'm giving out stars, I'm giving you two because I got boom tubes. Like, I'm already, I'm happy already. I'm like, I never thought I was going to get a boom tube ever. And I already got like three or four. But, <laughs> um, like, there's a point where it just gets quippy. And it's like, this is, the, this is the, what they took from him in Marvel. Like, he had him joking in Avengers so goddamn much. Now the the rest of the season of TV episodes is they joking all the goddamn time. Like, y'all gotta be serious. Like when I'm at work, I'm not cutting jokes all the time. I'm at work. That's what superhero stuff is to me. At least the DC heroes, and like I don't want to see them joking. And like Yeah, there's like there's little moments of joking, obviously. Like there's light banter. It doesn't have to be constant. Constant bits, constant banter back and forth like it's just it, it, every character is not spider-man <laughs> you know like yeah spider-man's like that deadpool is like that every other character is not like that it's just it's just it's interesting to rethink about this movie like now that's over and i've never even seen the extra long version and i don't really plan to because i don't care I, well, about I superman say, i will say the ultimate edition is like from a, an objective viewpoint, a better movie. And that the plot makes more sense. It's a little bit more like there's more room for the story to breathe. And it actually feels like there's equal screen time between Batman and Superman. And Clark is given an actual like shit to do. And like he, it makes his character make more sense. Cause in this movie, it just seems like Clark just has a thumb of his ass and someone tries to kill him. In this other movie, it shows that while Bruce is doing all this stuff to come at Clark and you're coming at Superman to kill him, that Clark is investigating Batman. So, in a sense, it feels more like a Batman versus Superman movie because you have Batman has all these preconceived notions about Superman and about how he's dangerous. And then Clark, as like Superman, who has who has like some ideas about what a hero should be, mm-hmm. can't understand this guy who gets away with like killing people. And, and, and a different kind of collateral damage, you know? And it's supposed to be showing the dichotomy between the two of them as heroes. The reason it still doesn't work in the Ultimate Edition is that you still don't have that space where Clark evolves from the last movie to this one. Yeah. So they just kind of start writing him to be slightly more like the Superman we like without any work. So that's why I think the Ultimate Edition is pointless. It's longer, it's more, you know, it makes more sense, but it doesn't, have the same like emotional power as this one does, as the theatrical does. Now, um, what do you, I always thought again to talk about people hating on this movie? Mm. Um, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, he didn't bother me. I remember people saying like, "Oh, he's like the Joker," and I'm like, "I don't see where you see this because 
I don't because he's skinny. Like, like he's like to me he's 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 the CEO mogul of now. Yeah, right? they, they like, got. They didn't get Eisenberg on mistake. They didn't get the guy that just played Mark Zuckerberg to play Lex Luthor by accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and what's unfair about that, too, is like so many other people that have, that play villains in superhero movies for the last like 10 years all are just doing bad impressions of Heath Ledger Joker. And Jesse Eisenberg is one of the few people who isn't, and people just assume that he is. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's not the... You know, what, you know, Gene Hackman had kind of more of the, like... Uh, like old school villain version of Lex, you know, it wasn't quite the eighties, uh, you know, the eighties Donald Trump version of Lex necessarily. Uh, and I think that having him be like a scrawny, you know, like essentially like, like a tech mogul basically is perfect. It makes perfect sense. I also thought it was fun too, because it formed this really unique triangle between Superman, Batman and Lex in that Lex and Batman are very similar, right? Like they both, uh, are rich, like apex, really smart humans who both resent Superman for somewhat similar reasons. And I thought it would, it made sense that one of those two humans, like perfect humans who are against Superman is like a big, tall, jacked dude who trains for fighting an alien God by like flipping tires in his cave. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other guy is like this scrawny diminutive, like little like nerd, you know what I mean? Because like they both, they represent sort of like opposite versions of like what a peak man is supposed to be. Um, I think if you had just casted like Billy Zane or someone as someone who looks like the traditional Lex Luthor, it wouldn't fit this movie. It wouldn't fit the theme and like it wouldn't fit like the, the world that they've created. I think Jesse Eisenberg perfectly fits what this Lex is like. And I'm, I, I kind of, it sucks that we're probably never going to get to see him like again. He's not going to get to show up like bald and doing cool stuff. He's yeah. just probably done forever. The interesting thing is that being that they're using being that they're using the meta narrative of that we saw him as Zuckerberg even when he's in the movie he's still talking at the, at the Sorkin level pace while everyone else isn't mm-hmm. like he like he's this guy and I guess for me when people say he's not Lex I'm like what Lex are we talking about because to me he feels like uh, Alexander Luther Jr. from like the 90s era Superman comics Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of people when they say like this is in the comments like no like to me Zack Snyder really loved the late 80s early 90s death of Superman era Superman like it's all in these movies like I look at it it's like I know those comics they not might not be some of our favorites we like to trash the 90s now but we have it in this film and it's just I, I never I, I see when I see him and then at the end he shaved his head and then he has the cool thing where he escapes and we see Deathstroke and I was like, yo, I'm all about this Legion of Doom or, or secret society or whatever whatever they're going to call them they building up to, which probably could have been like the fifth movie. They do all the things with uh, defeating Darkseid or reversing things and then lo and behold right there, smack him in the face is Lex Luthor then got a plan and he has like a whole team of people, but like it was a lot of things. yeah because no, I think that's that's kind of where they wanted to go with it because then by then you'd have the other heroes you'd have you you would also in their solo films introduce villains that you could bring in you know like Black Manta and stuff like that like you'd have a lot of room to play and I I mean they should still just fucking do that I mean ideally DC should just make this like Flashpoint movie they want to make so bad fix tweak recast whoever they want to fix tweak recast and then just move forward you know like it's not. 
people want to see these characters on screen. You know, like it's not it's not it's not that hard. That's true. I'm not a big fan of Flashpoint, but they could like I don't. Oh no no no! I, I don't like Flashpoint either. No, like, I mean like I, I don't even like the idea of them using the like. I think the Flash deserves a movie, and I think they could have make they could do some bullshit zero hour or even. Like I don't, I'm I'm even right. a person where you can the you can made a zero hour movie. You <laughs> can was... sacrifice Hal Jordan to me because he had his shot, right? Like mm-hmm. he had his shot. Y'all messed it up. You now have like eight other Greenlanders you can use in a movie. You give you met you damn near made a Janelle Monet version. You got you got a a, a Muslim one. <laughs> I just started reading that book too, actually. You got uh, <laughs> you got the la- la- the Latin woman with the anxiety. That's a great like idea of a Greenland. You mm-hmm. you you got guy who I want Tommy from Power to play. You got oh you got a ton of Greenlanders you can use. You can sacrifice Hal and start this thing over, and then the Flash can still get his movie, in which I dream it to be. It should just be Heat, but with Flash versus Captain Cold, but. They're never gonna make my movie. So Oh um, man, that actually would be kinda tight. <laughs> Dominic, I thought this out for the last year. I know how to make flash heat. Like it could do it could happen. Like I I can see all the art. I can I can get it down to 130 minutes. It'll be fire. <laughs> It'll be fire. <laughs> but instead we're probably gonna get I you know what's crazy to me? Not to be too too much off the topic, but I feel like it's crazy to me that like Ezra Miller went to Warner Brothers while they were fighting over the script they wanted to make, and he and Grant Morrison went off and wrote a Flash movie together. And he brought it to them like, look, if I'm going to play the Flash, this is the movie I want to make. Here's me and Grant fucking Morrison. And they were like, nah, we really want to see what the guys who wrote Game Night think. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) they were like, no, 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 we're going to talk to people who really know this shit, okay? Sorry, like, it's nice, it's cute that you got this guy, but no, we're not interested. Um, yeah, that alone man. lets you know what kind of decisions are being made. Like, yo, like, even when he said that, I'm like, oh man, like, I lost hope, but like, oh man, come on, let me see what Grant did. Like, like I know there's gonna be some crazy ideas about the Speed Force in it. No, I'm pretty sure that's oh, whatever he put into that movie is gonna end up being like an Earth One graphic novel or some bullshit or whatever, and that's nice. But like, that would have been fucking cool. Yeah, we probably you know? got a homeboy from the TV show. Probably would have ended up in the movie too. <laughs> yeah, right. Some, yeah, it, all of them, you know. Um, and Grant would have been in it somehow too. Just yeah. like, oh, hey, there. <laughs> I think. I think what's interesting is like you know you you, you mentioned how you, you see a lot of like '90s and like late '80s Superman in Zack Snyder's vision of Superman, and like. I think one of the reasons people, because Marvel was, you know, sort of first to market in this modern era, why so many people have difficulty with the DC movies is like, and they often are like, that's not like the character I like, is that it's not that Marvel's characters are more static or don't change as much, because they definitely do. But the Marvel movies are all pulling from a much smaller sample size of source material. Like, you know, everything is kind of pulling from ideas and things from the last like 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. because they kind of want that synergy there. And like, you know, whatever they do in the movies is reflected in the comics. So people, I think, who are newer to the to, to comics in, in this world as a whole, they watch the movies, then they read the relatively recent comics and they're like, yep, this all lines up. This is perfect. What a great adaptation. Uh, 
and the the people of Marvel are so big on taking the most simplest basic idea of classic Marvel stories and taking out a title or a character or a scene idea and then just extrapolate in a completely different direction that to them, it does seem like there's this idealized version of Marvel that they all agree on for the last like 10, 15 years and they see it up on screen and it's like a one-to-one. Whereas with DC, Superman has like a whole ass 100 years mm-hmm. of stories to pull from. And over the course of that fucking century, he is so different <laughs> at different points in times. You know, Batman, the same way. Like, the characters, like, really fluctuate wildly over the course of DC's history. So there's so much more debate, I think, about who is, like, what is the definitive right adaptation. There's not a whole lot of, like, arguing over what, what Tony Stark should be like because all the different runs of Iron Man are all, you know, relatively similar. There's not, like, a period of Iron Man that is as ridiculous as, like, certain 50s era Superman stories are, you know, like they're all kind of in the same wheelhouse. And uh, the, we were talking about earlier, the, the, the idea that like in this Snyder world, there's a, a weird imbalance with the Trinity where like Batman's been a hero for like 20 years. Wonder Woman's been a hero for like a hundred and secret and Superman just shows up and how that upsets the apple cart of what we expect from the DC universe. Uh, I don't know if you read Doomsday Clock, um, oh, oh, I did. Oh, I, oh, and, I, I got bitty issues with dudes. I imagine you do. I was not a huge fan personally, as, as just in terms of being a good comic necessarily. But there's a moment in the last issue that really got me that I really liked, and it made me think about Man of Steel. And it's where, I mean, spoilers, spoiler alert, I guess, for anyone who hasn't read Doomsday Clock, not that it really matters, but where Doctor Manhattan goes back after having like fucked fucked with DC's like timeline and undoes all the little things he changed. And Jeff John's vision of like making Watchmen responsible for everything that is wrong with like modern DC comics that are too gritty. And many of them all sort of mirror Zack Snyder's vision for Superman hinges on the idea that Superman is first and there's no other heroes to look like for the world to look after from like before. Mm -hmm. And there's this little moment where uh, Clark is about to go to prom you're right before his parents die in a car crash and his dad is talking to him the way Kevin Costner talks to Man of Steel. That's like, look, I don't know. You shouldn't tell anyone you're Superman. It's probably bad. It sucks. Da, da, da. And then his parents go and die. And then he's just alone in the world and he never fully like grows into what we expect. And then it's like, oh, well, now that now that they've reordered the timeline. So there's been an injustice society. Now the world has a history of costume heroes helping people. Now you're going to join that history and that tapestry and help people. And he puts on the cape and he saves his parents from dying, you know? And that's such a cool idea about like superhero lineage and like history and, and, and what symbols mean and stuff. And that seems to be kind of the type of stuff they're playing with uh, in the, in the Snyder world. And like, even though it doesn't all work, even though it's not all like perfect, and you know, we definitely both have like beef with it. It's, it's still so much to me more interesting it's something like I, I, I think about all, all the time. I like revisiting the movie, even though I don't love it. Whereas some of the superhero movies, man, I don't ever want to see again. Or I don't care if I ever see them again. Even the ones that are good. I'm like, that was good. I'm done. I don't have any thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have to have a conversation about this in four years. If there's an the anniversary of it, I'm not going to give a shit. You know, uh, it's just so different. Yeah, it's like it's. It's interesting because, it, well, yeah, I had a lot of, but there was interesting things that Jeff was playing with 
and I also thought he was also kind of trying to snap back at Alan Moore for things Moore said about him in terms of what he's doing. But childish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, bro. Like you, you, you made your career off his with his stuff. Like be honest, we all know what it is. But it's like um, that's the entire true. Green Lantern run, yeah. <laughs> like yo, know, like all this, but it's it 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 sits to that point, and then when you go back to this movie, it's like um. The way they're 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 that the way the way that they're playing with things, even when you get to a Justice League and um they talk about Aquaman. Aquaman isn't just a debuting here. It's like he's been Aquaman already. And they almost said like, yo, you remember that time when Superman was saved randomly in the water? Yo, that was yo, Aquaman just did him a, a solid and kept it pushing. Like I was like, Oh, okay. And and you go back, you watch Wonder Woman, it's just like there was other he, was like she was there, and then you see Wonder Woman eighty four. So it's like, oh, so she was still like running around and like kicking people in the face, and people just kind of just like accepted it and like moved on, like or like like what? To me, it's almost the unknown of the way it, it the tapestry is unfolding makes more sense than this this distinct. You know the. You meet this guy, then this guy shows up, and then they do this, and then this happens. Yeah. And yeah, and then you. By the time you get to um, episode like fourteen, where Ant Man comes in, you find out like, oh, but lo and behold, in between the first Avenger <laughs> and 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 Iron Man, Michael Douglas was running around as a small guy, punching <laughs> people in the face. Like, oh, okay. And of course he knew. And when you get to the end, in End Game, of course Michael Douglas knew Howard Stark. You know, like I was like, oh, oh, Michelle, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer was a hero too. Oh, Ben Foster was running around. Oh, okay, you, you, mm, oh, yeah, but T'Chaka wasn't what was. Oh, he was Black Panther too. And he still let his brother die. But okay, I don't want to get on that thing. I almost like the fact it's like, um, like, you know what? Captain Boomerang exists. The Flash don't got a name. He's somehow locking people up. Amanda Waller got a got a list. Shit, shit is just literally just happening. I mean, I guess, too, you know, in a way, that's, like, I think the DC Universe has always been yeah. constructed in such a way where you can just fold in random shit and we accept it because that's how DC Comics, like, started anyway, you know? Like, there have been periods of time where it's like, oh, uh, we, just bu- we just bought Jim Lee, so uh, now Grifter knows Batman. Here, come on in, like... <laughs> Like what? Yeah, 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 yeah. The authority has always been here. You're like, uh, okay, sure. I guess I accept that. You know, like, and, and, and if it gets weird or too difficult for people, you just bring up the the map of the orrery of worlds, and then you're like, oh, that's just Earth three or whatever. Like they, yeah. they it's they have a structure that's just like, no, no, no. We can we can fit in anything into this. Okay, like I can tell you that fucking the Flintstones is in continuity because we own it, and you'll buy it, and it's fine. And, like, Marvel doesn't really have... I mean, the only major story Marvel has that really heavily does, like, crisis-level retconning is, like, Hickman's Secret War book from a few years ago. And that's from a few years ago. And that's because it is Crisis on Infinite Earth. <laughs> like, it's literally, with the yeah. Marvel characters. Like, <laughs> I love the story to death, but it's but literally... But that's what it is. It's like, this is how the Marvel characters react to everything that happened in Crisis on Infinite Earth. And it's like... Oh, so you in oh you in my wheelhouse now, like oh we oh we Gucci. I'm I'm gonna love this forever, and 
And like it's your right. People always like they need a plan and they need this. It's like yo, you do know that the Justice League happened because it was like we're gonna put five of our heroes in one comic in the Brave and the Bold one day. <laughs> Literally, yeah, just like and, <laughs> oh, we will call them the Justice League because we had the Justice Society back in the day. Go to print, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, oh man, uh, oh, we got they, three of the characters got sidekicks. They should come together and they should hang out. Teen Titans, there we go. <laughs> Here we go. And, and the thing is, and it's like, and Marvel was equally thrown together and cynical. It's just that it was all the same dude for a very long time. And he would just keep going further out in the burrows of where he would introduce characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he is over here in Queens. And then this has happened. You know, like there's like that sense of, I think a lot of people, because the marketing and like the, the branding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kevin feige's master planning that people just anything that happens like yeah they always plan that it's like they probably fucking didn't no they like, didn't they, they just were grow up. <laughs> they were really good at saying oh man this change we got to push this around and we'll make it work like the whole thing where they were like you know that kid in iron man 2 that was peter parker like no that don't make sense the math don't add up and then Not they changed all, it was yeah. like yeah that wasn't him like or like they moved it around, like the they changed the dates in that book where it would make sense. I'm like, yeah, y'all did that shit. We all made a book. Like clearly that wasn't in the plan of the movies because you didn't think you were going to make a Spider-Man movie because Amazing Spider-Man came out in 2012, the same year as the Avengers. <laughs> you know, I will say like, what, so when you look at DC's like history of any character, right? They have there's so many different retcons and changes, but like I feel like uh, for, the, for the most part. Over the years, DC creators tend to put more work into trying to reconcile old stories and new stories, and I feel like they try to like really make a way for you to uh, be able to read everything in a way where like it seems like one long story. Even if every five or six years someone has to have like the monitor show up and like move everybody around, they they put the work into it. A couple of years ago, I was doing some freelance writing for Marvel's like website, just doing like uh, just interviews with people and stuff, like you know, articles about new upcoming books, whatever. And we ended up working on a project like of like doing like a kind of a, a digital encyclopedia for the website, where like you have like character bios and history and stuff mm. to, to make to make things easier for for new you know like new readers and stuff. Like if you go to see Avengers and you want to pick up some comics, there's a bunch of shit you're not going to know because the comics aren't exactly like the movies. And you would just get assigned different creators or characters and you would go through like their fictional biography and like rewrite it to kind of make it almost like write little like Wikipedia entries kind of for people, but like not just Wikipedia entries. And there's a couple of different characters that did and they weren't even characters that like have had a lot of books per se. You know what I mean? Like I'm not even talking about someone like Superman who like if you had to write his fictional biography, including every comic, it would take forever. I'm talking about characters that, like, were only around for a few years or have only been in, like, three different comics or have only even been written by two or three different people, you know? Elixir and X-Men or some shit. Yeah, like, some (laughs) random motherfucker, you know? And just in the time that they existed alone, you would have so many weird things you'd have to reconcile writing it where you're like, what the fuck? How did you guys fuck this up in a year? (laughs) You know, like, I don't remember every different character I worked on, but I remember one of the ones I did was, like, Nick Fury Jr., Oh my God! Yeah. You know the, the the black Nick Fury that they made up so that you know Sam, so that the character would look like Sam Jackson, right? Um, and that story by itself is weird enough, you know. But like 
that character existed for like less than five years. And in the less than five years where he never even had an ongoing solo title, his history was already wrong. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, I look at that and think like, man, you guys couldn't even keep this motherfucker straight for five years. And people want to complain about like the DC characters being too complicated and they've been around for like a goddamn hundred years. Like, nah, like, yeah. this is, this is not, this is a false equivalency. Yeah. Like is to me, even with DC, you can say everything or you could be like, you know what? For you, you don't got to worry about Superman from 1985 until right now. You ain't got to know about no other Superman. If you want to think about older Superman, just picture Christopher Reeve. That's before your time. Don't worry about him. Let's stick with, let's stick with this new era. But even I think the movies, the, what, what, what works now with Marvel is that with the movies, they were able to do something that they, they never let themselves do in comics is make one consistent storyline continuity. Because the one it's like that's their reboot. They're never going to reboot the comic book universe, not really. They'll do weird soft reboots where they'll change things and like, "Oh, Iron Man, he was he he all this now happened in Afghanistan and instead of instead of early Vietnam and uh and then I guess a couple years from now it'll be Syria instead of Afghanistan, right? Like mm-hmm. But, like, they never let this, like, we'll never reboot. I remember Jay, Joe Casado will always say that, and then Axel Alonso, same thing. They don't have to. Kevin Feige made, he made their Earth One superheroes. It's just we got to pay $20 That's true. every That's true. Every I mean, and I think and it's funny, too, because if DC had just, like, if Man of Steel was straight up just, uh, like, that Earth One graphic novel that, like, JMS did or whatever, and if the new Batman movies were just like the like those you know like ultimate ultimate Marvel version of DC characters or whatever, I think people would have been even more annoyed because they would have been like, oh, we know these origins already. And it's like, well, yeah, because I'm very sorry that DC is making movies about the most popular superhero figures of all time, and Marvel started out with a bunch of people even Marvel fans don't give a fuck about, you know, yeah. like. You yeah. guys, you guys kind of start off with a very different setup. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, I think the biggest thing is it allowed <clears throat> the Marvel Marvel starting off with some of the like slightly more minor characters, so to speak, and not the X Men and Spider Man allowed for people that actually don't know a lot about comics or have never been that interested in the source material to feel on even footing with fans of the source material. Because a random person that goes to see Iron Man the movie and a person that has loved comics their whole life probably have about the same affinity for Iron Man. Yes, exactly. Exactly. A lot Whereas, of you know, Iron Man fans. people weren't walking around being like, I know every fucking different armor he ever... Like, no, nobody cared, ever. I know the theme song to the Iron Man cartoon, because it's tight, mm-hmm. when he had, like, the jerry curl or whatever in the in the series. Yep. Um, but beyond that, and the fact that that dude's alcoholic, nobody cares. And then one time, Rob Liefeld or whoever made him a teenager. Um, so it's... It's just a, it's just so different, man. I don't know. Like I I love comics and superheroes, and I find myself loving them. I don't want to say less, but differently in a world where superheroes are so prevalent on the big screen in such boring ways. And I think that's why I pop for BVS so much. Like that moment when Ben Affleck woke up in his little chair in the cave, and we saw the Flash for the first time in one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And the Flash isn't even a fucking character in the movie. He just popped up to like show up from the future, like some shit. We'll just like 
they may as well put up a little editor's note box on the screen. <laughs> like, see Justice League Part 2 in 2014 or 2012, or, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, whatever that was going to come out, like, oh, shit. Like, that was such a tight moment to me that I was like, even if the rest of this movie is trash, I, I still, a part of me will love it. Because, like, that's a feeling... The feeling I got when we saw BBS and The Flash popped up from the future, none of the Marvel movies have given me that feeling yet. None of them. Even the ones, even like having like Thanos and them, even when they actually were traveling through time in Endgame, having to sit through a fucking like half hour explanation of how they were going to do time travel and all that shit. Like, you mean, you mean nothing... that Arrested Development episode? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's painful, but true. Like, that's really um... all that was. It was three. It was three different. It was three different TV episodes, of three different types of shows. It was, it was um, that show, the HBO show with the people go away. Uh, the leftovers, right? The leftovers for for, for fifty eight minutes. Arrested Development for like two episodes of that, but with superheroes, and then the last part is the only part where it's a Marvel movie because it's literally fighting for like forty five minutes and then like. Spoiler, Iron Man, like, dies, and then they have a funeral, and you see the kid from Iron Man 3 got tall. That's it. Nothing else. And then you don't even get no real catharsis because you're supposed to watch Spider-Man to actually get the fucking ending. Like, okay, yeah, I can go on a whole whole thing about that. But, bro, the whole nightmare scene, the way you feel about just, like, the Flash coming, to me, as soon as Batman went to sleep, and I saw parademons in the desert. I literally sat up in my chair. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I want more of this. I, I, I'm like, I got, I got parademons, bro. I got parademons. In a move, and Oh, and then he got captured. Then he woke up, and then I got the flash part, too. And he was, like, all sweaty and, like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I was like, this is the shit. Like, oh, this... Like, the movie's got three stars for me off of that. Like, once you got to that point, I don't even need the rest of the movie. Like, you could have ended it. And then I'd be like, yo, the last part was fire. Like, like, yo. I'm ready to see the next movie. I don't even need to see the fight. Like, (laughs) But he was like, he was trying to say something. He was trying to do something. And it's something that I've... That's my big problem with debates about the Marvel movies and the DC movies is that it's in its inception Warner Brothers still cares about the director and the auteur because they're a studio and they're like the oldest studio and Marvel's making a TV show like the more you know about how they make the movies it doesn't hurt it it's the way TV productions work there's no the director doesn't have as much power you don't want to alter the visual language established early on. Uh, the, there's almost always these movies are other than like James Gunn. They're almost always done by like teams of writers, not just like a writer or two. Always like a gang of people. Somebody comes in and they do all the action sequences. Like they don't get to really design their action sequences the way they want to. Probably the Russos got to at the end because at that point they made them how much money. Mm-hmm. And they've proven themselves. Like, yeah, we can let them rock. That and also, I mean, like their style wasn't. It's it's not amazing, but yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Like, it's like okay, it's 
You know, they they fit. Like that's not their strong. Their strong point isn't. Like it's not. You know, even to go to a little bit of a tangent, like when I watch Birds of Prey, like I could tell when they brought in the dude, the, the folks from John Wick, to like mm-hmm. pump up a scene because it was like, oh, they don't they don't do this in superhero movies. Like I can see all the action; it's clear. the The contrast of the lighting and the the shapes, I see what's going on. They're distinct. Mm-hmm. The colors pop. Oh man, everybody's in a nice full frame. I see the whole body. I see the movements of the fight. That stuff that is still like to me the biggest flaws of Nolan's Batman trilogy is that I don't know what the hell's happening when they start fighting. Neither did he. It's like man, you're not good at fighting. Um, as much as I love those movies, but. Yeah, clear it is, but the fact that when I watch a DC movie, I might not like them, but at least I know that's the director. Like, even even something like Suicide Squad, where you where we all kind of know what happened with the editing. Yeah, homeboy yeah, fesses disaster. up to it. He fesses up to it like it's my movie. Like, all right, bro, you gonna take that on the chin like that? Good for you. And I still don't hate that movie like everybody else did. I still don't. Yeah, I saw I, I saw Suicide Squad screening, and I was into it. And then I wrote like my review or whatever. And then like the opening day, I went and saw it again. <laughs> um, and I was like, man, there's a lot of things wrong with it, but it's still entertaining and it's still like pretty fun. I loved Birds of Prey. I thought Shazam was pretty good. It was really fun. Uh, Aquaman is like to me a really fun superhero movie. I like, you know, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was good. Like, these, and each of the movies feels a little bit different. There's enough of a, like, it's interesting to me, I guess, because, like, when you buy comics, you know, if you're, if you go to the store right now, or, well, not now, obviously, <laughs> if you go to the store and you pick up, like, a Wonder Woman comic, an Aquaman comic, and a Batman comic, they're not all going to look the same. Like, DC doesn't really hire, like, a house style. Like, all the artists are going to be doing their own thing on each different book, kind of. Yeah. And, uh, and at Marvel too, if you pick up like, you know, I'm currently kind of reading all the different Dawn of X books they're doing now that Jonathan Hickman's like, re- like, you know, like taking over the, the X-Men franchise Showrunner. and there's like, there's like eight different books in, 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 in the, in the line now. I mean, which is normal for Marvel's X-Men books and they all are vastly different. They all look super different, you know? Um, and, but you know it's the same world. You're not ever confused. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's you. You're allowed to have different style of storytelling, different tones and stuff, and you still know they all know each other. So it's sad to me that Marvel's movies aren't the same. That like, I, I mean, I, I'm not expecting them to be wildly, drastically different. I'm, you know, I'm not saying like wake up and like, you know, have some random art house director who's never made a, a big bunch of movie like do it and have full control or whatever. But like. Make an effort. Make some actual choices. Take some fucking risks. You know, uh, it's it's disheartening, man. Like I'm not. I was thinking about so like a Black Widow got moved or whatever because uh, of the COVID stuff. Yeah. And people, when's it gonna come out? And I remember thinking like, man, I don't give a fuck if that movie ever comes out. <laughs> like, like if something happened where Marvel just said, oh, we're just gonna put it in in the vault or some shit, I wouldn't even notice. You know, like nothing that they have on their slate has me like excited where I wanna see stuff i'm, I'm because i know that, for my bad for mobius oh. for michael morbius and uh venom 2 to be quite honest and they have nothing to do with those movies but, yeah and i don't even fucking i don't even like 
I don't even like that character or like Jared Leto, but like I'm, I at least know that that movie might be interesting. It's at least like a curveball, you know. Like, did you see Bloodshot? Yeah, I did. Yeah, like you know, Bloodshot may not the greatest movie, obviously, but I remember thinking like, man, this is the first time in a while I've seen a new superhero movie that feels like it was based on a fucking comic book, like for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Because everything about it is so ridiculous it's such a fucking 90s hat on a hat on a hat concept <laughs> this just it just keeps throwing extra shit at you where you're like this this doesn't need to be this complex but then i thought man this feels like wizard magazine right now to me the whole time i could just feel like the variant covers you know like <laughs> i could feel it in my bones and all i thought about was like man people who like superheroes because of the marvel movies specifically are like never going to have that feeling of like you got to love some of the like shitty parts of comic books to me to love superheroes like i remember seeing a meme a while ago where it was like it was like an image of like some some like little like stick figure character and his three favorite x-men comics and it was like grant morrison's run joss whedon's run and like some other big you know like chris claire whatever and it was like if you like the X-Men and these are your three favorite X-Men stories, you don't fucking like the X-Men. You don't like the okay? X-Men. You ain't you ain't anyone can can walk into the X-Men and pick up the first few trades and think they're cool and these are like the you know the best stories whatever. To love the X-Men, you gotta sit through all the weird shit. You gotta know about Joseph and you gotta know about about Maggot. You gotta be you got you gotta go into like the deep cuts. And I don't mean that on some like gatekeeper you're not a real nerd type shit at all that's not what i mean i just mean that like loving comics and superheroes to me is about loving all the weird shit that doesn't work that you couldn't turn into a movie that's why they're comics so like people that really are into the comic the things about comics that are simple and easily palatable for like movie audiences it's like yeah it's like the most boring shit out there though give me the shit where like you know, there's like a, you know, I love Batman. I, I, you know, I, you, I want, you know, new Batman movies and stuff. I'm never going to get a Batman movie that's going to be able to adapt Grant Morrison's like R.I.P. arc from his long Batman run. Bro. They're never going to make a Batman movie where his like new girlfriend has been like conning him the whole time, but he knew the whole time. And also the Joker's involved. And also maybe the villain's his dad, but maybe it's not. And then he loses his mind and he's a crackhead and he has like a rainbow colored bat suit. Like you'd never do that in a movie. Batman's you could never back pull that OS. off. Yeah, like back yeah. OS Batman. Like You could never do that, you know? But when I was watching Bloodshot, even though it's not obviously it's not as good a story as like that story, it had that feeling, the mechanics of like ridiculous shit that you do in comics that you don't do elsewhere. Yeah, man, it had a woman that had like us like where she had basically like a cyborg lung or breathing system that a man could turn off with like a button on his arm. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and the dude with the legs, and then he became like Dr. Octopus at the end of the movie, and they were just fighting for no reason. I was like, at least it looked cool. Like, I was, I was like, at least Vin Diesel picks cool looking movies, man. I'm not even mad at him. Like, I was entertained watching bloodshot and i i agree with you like and it's almost to me everything you're bringing up is why i still like the x-men franchise because if you like the x-men film franchise you gotta like the you gotta like the valleys with the peaks you gotta find some goodness in between all of it 
Like this People like to hate on Like I know people Didn't like Apocalypse I, I was actually fine with it Like I found some parts I enjoyed And I could watch And the same with the last movie I'm like There's some parts of this I enjoyed I know people were just like Oh it's so terrible I'm like I don't what What is your barometer Why is this so terrible Compared to some other movie Like I still don't know Why people like Guardians of the Galaxy bro <laughs> I, I feel like you're you're maybe the only person in my life that I know cares about those movies as little as I do. Like there are Marvel movies I do like and I do connect with and I do you know uh, like watching and rewatching I guess. But like when I saw the first Guardians movie, I was like, this is cool. There's like I like the opening bit and some of what they were going for, or whatever. But like by the end of it, I didn't really care. And then when I saw two, there's a lot of stuff in two I like because I like Kurt Russell, but. Uh, neither one of them is like that good as movies as superhero movies as whatever metric you use they're like fine i'm actually more excited for james gunn's new suicide squad sequel not even because i like james gunn but i'm interested like if people think that his work on guardians is like transformative and like different than the rest of the marvel universe i'm curious to see what he'll do where dc is just like do whatever <laughs> if we just oh yeah he's an r-rated there. he's an r-rated movie like yeah. Go to town. Oh, you get one of our newest biggest stars. You have Harley Quinn. Have fun, mate. <laughs> yeah. Like see what see what see what you want to do, you know, like and um it, so I'm interested to see that. I want to see if there's like a dichotomy between what he was doing at Marvel versus what he does at DC and then of course what he does when he comes right back to Marvel right afterwards, like if there's a really like a real difference. Um cuz it's just like I'm not excited. I, I, I guess I feel bummed because, like, I, I don't know. I saw like, like a Facebook timeline, like mem- memory thing, you know, that, like where it shows you, like, here's a post you made like five years ago, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, a few months ago, I saw one for like me being excited about some bit of Marvel news from like seven years ago or whatever, like some announcement about something they were going to do, you know. And I remember when all that stuff first started popping off, the idea of having the Avengers on screen and then like other stuff was so crazy and cool. And every new thing that they told you you were going to do felt like, I can't believe we're getting this, man. I, just, I can't believe we're getting the, all the Avengers on screen together, you know? And now that we see those motherfuckers every few months, now you're just like, <sighs> you know, like, now I find myself not being anywhere near excited. Like, randomly, you know, we found out that Sam Raimi's going to direct the Doctor Strange sequel. Sam Raimi making Doctor Strange movie is like a crazy idea. But I know it's going to look like a Marvel movie, and he's not going to get to do a lot of the stuff he did in the Spider-Man movies, and I'm not excited. Normally, I'd be very hyped for that. And in some ways, I guess I just feel robbed. I feel like these people took away, like... They used to be a big part of, like, my life as, like, someone who consumes popular culture is, like, being excited about new things. And I don't think this is getting older. I think it's specifically because so many of the new things that are coming out are just so dull. Yeah. Yeah, there's not, like, a lot of, um... There's not a lot of stuff to really, like, get me my my gears. Like, I remember, like, getting excited for, like, these movies. And it was, like, I remember sitting back and being excited for, like, oh, they're going to make a Daredevil movie. Ah, I can't wait. Ooh. And then, like, I was, like, oh, that wasn't that great. But, but oh, I'll watch the uh, Electra movie. Like, it was, like, I don't, like, it was just something in me. Like, I'm excited. Like, I got to see this. Like, I don't like I just want to see it even the early the early part of Marvel before I had my like issues I was like okay Iron Man like yeah I thought Robert Downey Jr. should be Iron Man all the time I was like I'm with it you know 
Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, that's cool. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm here. Iron Man 2, everybody was kind of hating on I was like, bro, but Jenny Tartavosky's action scene at the end, killing everybody. And I still feel that way. His little, the way he boarded that scene, they ain't had an action scene like that since. But, um. It's, it is weird when you watch the old Marvel movies now and you realize that Favreau and Whedon were were actually making movies like they like they were their own movies. Mm-hmm. And then you watch like even like something Civil War, which I actually I actually like Civil War a lot. You watch it in comparison and you're like, huh? <laughs> and then you watch the next movie and you're like, huh? Like, huh? <laughs> this is. You know, like, comics are supposed to... I, the idea that Marvel made comics feel sequential on the big screen is cool. I like that sequential storytelling and sort of, like, uh, serialized storytelling, I'll say, is, like, a, a thing I like about comics. But I don't like the feeling that every disparate property is feeding into the other one. Like, when I read comics, I like finishing, you know, a Spider-Man comic and then reading uh, a Thor comic. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel like I'm reading one big comic book and I wish they would d- differentiate more and put more effort into differentiating between the different franchises so that they don't just bleed together because they do now they do bleed together like you're watching one long TV show that every episode is like this you're still part of the same show yeah and it shouldn't be like that it should it should be like you're watching a bunch of different shows in the same network. You know, not like you're watching one really long show where some of the characters just dip out every now and again. Yeah, it's like it's it's like a superhero version of um, premium television where it's like, okay, this episode is only going to focus on these characters, but then you'll get to the next episode is going to focus on these characters, and then by the time you get to like the the, the quarter the quarter season for the quarter season break, they all going to come together and do something that's going to push along for the next six or seven episodes and the, the same thing and I for me I'm getting exhausted by the fact it's like oh now you guys are actually actually adding actual TV shows to this so the aesthetic of, of everything is going to blur and mesh together into like one big thing even more than more than what we already have because I can't believe that uh Winter Soldier and Falcon show is actually going to look that much different than whatever the then let's say the Black Widow movie. I have a feeling yeah, they're going to look yeah. like the same identical cho- choices mm-hmm. on shots and how they flow together versus uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which might have some weird takes that when you watch WandaVision, there's going to be little things there, and then it's just be going to blur together into like. One, like one mass of just of plot points and character bits that by the time you get to the end of something and it is to be like, oh, this is the reveal of the big bad. It kind of reminds me of what's wrong with, you know, in comics, people complain about, oh, because all the crossovers and stuff, they're hard to keep up with. In reality, most comics uh, aren't like that until one part of the year. And then for like one month and a half or whatever, or two months or even less, I guess, in some t- cases, a crossover takes over the company and then either the crossover happens in like a one, like a fill-in issue of the main book or there'll be like a, you know, like whatever the thing is, Spider-Man number one, it's just here's the one shot tying into the big crossover. Yeah. And, and I realized that like 
you can differentiate between here is the current arc of Spider-Man and the things the creative team has been doing with the character versus here's how Spider-Man feeds into the larger crossover story. In reality, though, the way Marvel's making these movies is that everything is one large crossover story. There is no, and then you have your own thing where no one's around. You know, and it's uh, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I, like, I, I can't think about how when they do release, you know, like a standalone movie just with a new character, like if they, if they make a new movie with a new Marvel character that hasn't been introduced yet, their story is going to feel so small and weird compared to like, we've already had shit like Endgame or even Black Panther has like a, a lot of grandeur to it, you know? And a lot of these new ones aren't going to have that same vibe. I think it's, what's interesting too is like, we used to get excited as nerds when there would be new movie news about a comic property because you'd find out who's going to be in it or who's going to direct or write. And then you would start mentally thinking about what that means and what that could, what that could translate into. And now when they announce who's creatively working on these new Marvel shows, I'm like, who gives a shit? What does it matter? Like yeah, so they just hired such and such to be the showrunner, like the, to be the showrunner of this new show. Like, okay. And what does that mean? <laughs> like, that doesn't mean anything. You know, like it's never anyone like like anyone who's like a big singular creator. Like you're never gonna wake up and they're like, "Hey, we're letting Aaron Sorkin make a Marvel show." <laughs> He's doing a show that takes place at the Daily Bugle or whatever. It's just the newsroom at the Daily Bugle. Like that would never happen. So it's like when they tell you a new showrunner's coming aboard, you're like, "And it's just gonna be fucking Feige barking orders and making sure it all lines up anyway." So who cares? To me, is and this is what bothered me about the movies for a while. Is that even with the shows, it's like they take this person that works on this popular thing and they give them the keys. So it's like it's not the main. So like the woman who's doing um, She-Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. She's probably talented. I don't. She's probably has. She still hasn't done a lot of work yet. And she her, she's mostly known for working on Rick and Morty. Now they mm-hmm. didn't get my man who makes Rick and Morty, who's like that was a Dan Harmon, who's been known to make shows, has like a lineage of making like high quality shows, because you know he's expensive. And it's not even just that though; it's not even just about the finance. Someone like Dan Harmon, he's gonna say no. That, not just that. I mean, he might say yes to one of these things, but the reason he would say no is because Dan Harmon couldn't even. He got fired off a of Community, a sitcom he created. Because he butted heads to the network about the direction of the sitcom he created. Yeah. How well do you think he would work running a show about a Marvel Marvel property? You know what I mean? Like, like those. It's weird because like, it's almost like individual writers and artists on Marvel's books have more create uh, more like creative freedom than the people they bring in to make these movies. Like, obviously, there's some sort of like editorial oversight, and obviously, there's usually like. With those big like creative retreats, Marvel still does every few months. They lay out the future of stuff, but you know if you get hired to write, you know Avengers, you're like, here's what I think is going to happen in Avengers, and like, that sounds tight. Do it. I don't think that's how the movies work. It's like, oh, we're going to do something like this. What do you think? And then it's like, here's my thing. It's like, okay, we're going to make it like this. And you're like, uh, that's not really what I said, but okay, sure, you know. And then that's what comes out. Yeah, man. Like. Yeah, it's just it, it, it. I've noticed that. But it's just to me, it just it, it becomes a trend. Like they'll get like a person in the movies. They'll they'll get somebody new, and I want new people to get shots. 
But I also know it's like you know they're paying them less. You know they have a less of a they have less of a voice. They have less weight. They can be easier pushed around by the producers and the studio to kind of make what they want to make versus like, oh, yeah, D.C., they got somebody who, like, won some Oscars. Like, nah, they're going to make their movie. Like, I don't think anybody at Warner Brothers tell, telling Greg Berlanti what he can and can't make for them now in terms of D.C. He got so many successes that, nah, he gets, they probably back off. Like, nah, I'm, I'm going to make Green Lantern. Yeah, okay. Like, this, this is what it is. And it's, it's just, I don't know. I feel weird because it's like, I'm always the person that's like, man, I wish I'd get my shot. But I also kind of like want to get my shot after I like, well, I feel like I could earn enough to say like, we're going to be a partnership. You just ain't going to tell me what to do. If you feel what I'm saying. Oh. Like,